This podcast is a presentation of Gateway Fellowship, Paulsville, Washington. Experience community, find hope. Check us out at gatewayfellowship.com. Uh, online, um, campus, in person. Thank you so much for being a, being a part of Gateway. And um, if you're new, whether you're a guest or you're, you just kind of showed up um, recently and you joined with those that we can't seem to get rid of, thank you for being that person wherever you, wherever you fit. Um, and I say this often, and I, and I really, really mean it from, from my heart. If you're looking for a perfect church, so you should just keep on looking. You know what I mean? Because we're not, we're not the perfect, we are people sometimes who stumble, yes? We do. And uh, sometimes we just need the help and the encouragement. And sometimes it looks like exhortation um, from somebody else in the community. But that's why Jesus brings us together. And that's why he calls it a community. Because my family's not perfect and your family's not perfect. And this church family's not perfect either. But I pray that we can be healthy. And there's a difference. And healthy looks like this. I stumble, you stumble, we need help, we need encouragement. The community comes together to encourage one another. This is what the Bible calls living out in these one another injunctions. You know, like you encourage one another, pray for one another, bear one another's burdens. That's what it looks like. So if you're looking for a community like that, then I say, hey, welcome to Gateway. So thanks for coming and being a part. Now that you're very comfortably seated, would you stand? Because I'm going to read God's Word this morning, Psalm chapter 8, verses 1 through 9. Um, let's just listen with open hearts, shall we? It's also coming up on the screen. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes, to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, you, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field and the birds of the heavens, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, Our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So, Father, we just pray this morning that our hearts would be open um, to what you have for us. We recognize um, that that we're humans, and your spirit lives in us, and we need you to lead us and to direct us and to guide us. So our ears are open to you this morning. Our hearts are open to you. Whatever you have, we pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. You may recognize, if you've read in Hebrews um, a little bit um, lately, you may have recognized that the author of Hebrews actually quotes that psalm, part of that psalm that we just read. It's in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 5 through through 6. Just listen to it. For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere. We just read it. What is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you care for him. You have made him a little, uh, for a little while lower than the angels, you have crowned him with glory and honor. And if you go to your Bible, it may read like mine, on the top of that heading, the founder of salvation. Now, certainly um, what, we're, what we're talking about, what we're reading about right here, but I think what you could put on the top of that, that passage in Hebrews chapter 2, the value of man. Have you thought about that? That God loved you so much 
He loved me so much. He valued you so much, and he valued me so much that he sent Jesus into the world for you and for me to die on our, on our ha- behalf and to restore that image of God that we were all born with. So I asked you this past week, would you just do one thing? And, and, I, and I, I hope that some of you did it. When you get up in the morning and you look in the mirror, would you say, now I see the image of God? You may have looked at all your imperfection, right? Your bad hair, um, you know, th- maybe, uh, maybe a new wrinkle showed up overnight. Yeah, and how many plucked a gray hair or a white hair? Don't do that because the Bible says a gray head is a crown of glory. It's attained by a righteous life. I memorized that some time ago. But here's the deal. So you looked at something and you saw yourself through a lens of imperfection, didn't you? And we sometimes have a habit of doing that, don't we? And I've talked about this the last couple of weeks. Or we begin to see ourselves like somebody else um, would describe us or how somebody else says, this is who you are, rather than seeing ourselves in the image of God. So did we do that this past week? I hope that you did. We're going to talk about this image that is marred in just a moment, but we're going to be talking and focusing on the restoration of God and how he redeems his people. Are you grateful for that? Because we sit here as redeemed, yeah? If you're a follower of Jesus, this image has been restored. You are a brand new person. You are a brand new creation. We'll read it in just a moment. Now, how many... um, you have either been involved or you really appreciate a restoration project. Maybe it's a home or something like that, right? Yeah, 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 you do that. And some of you are really, really, really good at it. Like you can take something old and make it look brand new, can't you? You Some of us try to do that. Some of us fail at it. But some of you are really, really, really good. I appreciate that. So I used to have a 1968 Bronco. Yeah, Tim, nice. You better, I sold it. Yeah, why is, right, I know it. And I still kick myself every time I sold it. It was a turquoise and with a white top. I believe that Jesus just brought it my way. And I just, I just sent it off to somebody else, you know. But in, in the meantime, what I have, I've seen, and there have been a couple around town, these beautiful, restored 1968 Broncos. And every time I see it, I go like, I kick myself. Why did I do that? But I enjoy the beauty of what someone has done. It's been restored. It's been, it's been renewed. It's something that is old, that is, that, is, that is made to look brand new. So that's you and me. When we begin to talk about what Jesus has done in each one of our lives, what does an image bearer look like? That was a really good question that someone asked me last week because we talked about being image bearers of God, that each and every one of us are born, we're created in his image. So what does that look like? Well, I think it looks like a lot of things, but I would just offer this from Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 24, as image bearers in the world today. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it, to be made in the image of God and to carry the image of God into the world today. 
that's who you are. You have been restored. You have been redeemed because he sent his son into the world to do that for you and to do that for me, all those who trust in him. Paul, Paul gives us a bit of a glimpse of, of what this life looks like. We're going to go to Genesis in just a moment because that's our start here. Um, taking a look at Genesis, and next week we're going to be into a really, really interesting story out of the book of Genesis, the Tower of Babel, so don't miss Paul gives us a glimpse into what this life looks like in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21. It's coming up on the screen. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Just think about that or our own human rubric. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, here we go now. If anyone is in Christ or restored or redeemed, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? A new... Turn to your neighbor and go, you're a brand new creation. Do that right I don't care what you look like. I don't care what you wore this morning. You are a new creation, right? All uh, for in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Amen? The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. When we became a follower of Jesus, that old self was crucified. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us a ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. That's what we're talking about this morning. Let me kind of summarize it this way. As image bearers reconciled to Christ, reconciled to God through Christ, we are made new and given a brand new purpose in life. This old self died, is dead, Nailed to the cross with our sinful nature. The old person, that person who was born into sin, whose image was marred by sin. Remember, I, I, we talked about last week, all, all were created in the image of God. It was marred by sin. It's made new. It's redeemed through Christ. Now, it's different than a restoration project that we just talked about. A little bit different. It's, it's, it's different um, than the old barn getting a new coat of paint. Are you with me? It looks good from the outside, but the old barn is, guess what? It's still an old barn, right? It looks good on the outside, but it's still an old barn on the inside. It's not that when we are made new in Christ. It's complete. We are made brand new. New. It's just not. It's just not that God slapped a coat of paint on you and made you look that way. But you're the same person on the inside. That's not who you are. You are a brand new person. So there are three questions that we're going to explore um, this morning and kind of dive into. Number one: When did the image of God become marred in mankind? When did sin enter the world? So uh, years um, years ago, early in my um, pastoral career, I was meeting with another young pastor, and, and this is what he shared. This was his opinion, that if it was possible to, um, to um, start your life, be born, and to go through all of life without ever doing anything wrong, you would not need a Savior. If, if you were born and you went all the way through life and you did nothing wrong, there is no sin in your life. Now I will tell you, that's not biblical. 
That's not what the Bible says, so we're going to talk about that. So when did sin come in the world? When was this image that we were created, and when was it marred? Number two, why do we need to be made new? Why? And number three, how are we made new? So how, when did this image become marred? Um, when did sin enter mankind? Well, all we have to do is go to the Bible and read Genesis chapter 3, and I'm going to share it with you. And for many, it will be a very, very familiar story. For some, perhaps newer. Here it is, beginning with verse number 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman... Did God actually say, now, I mean, we could, there are so many jumping off points that we, that we just can't do this morning, but the enemy will always bring that question into your mind, won't he? He was, did God actually say this? And we begin to question God. Did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Did he say that? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you should not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will surely not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and guess what? You'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and again, that's another jumping off point, it's like when a woman saw, when she stopped and she looked, and she gazed at the fruit, she saw that it was good. And that it was a delight to the eyes. And that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. And so she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin claws. Sin entered the human race through the fall of Adam and Eve. But there's more. Here it is in Romans chapter 5, verses 12. Paul says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, that would be Adam, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all have sinned. So you and I are born into this world marred by sin, created in God's image, but death spread to all men because all sin. That's what we were born into. It's good to define sin, and we could, we could spend a lot of time here, but just let me do it this way. Sin is just rebellion against God. 1 John chapter 3, verse 4. So everyone who, who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. So it's rejecting God. It's rebellion against God and, and his ways. So did we have to learn to become sinners? Did we have to learn that? Is something about our actions that we learn to be a sinner? No. Every human alive was born into sin. We were born separated from God. We were born with the image of God marred by sin. That means that the beautiful child that you were at birth, which you all were, was marred by sin, right? The beautiful baby that every parent brought into the world had an image marred by sin. 
Every one of us. That's why David says, Mario mentioned King David just a little bit ago. David says in Psalm 51, 5, For I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. Because of Adam. Now, you don't look at your beautiful newborn baby and go, what a beautiful sinner. <laughs> you, know, we, you know, oh, would you just look at that little girl? Would you look at the little boy? Would you look at all the little kids? You know, the beautiful little sinners. You know, we don't do that, right? I mean, they are God's beautiful gift to us, um, born into sin, but thankful for the grace of God that covers our children, yes, until the age of accountability. But that's how we're born. Jim Putman, who is a friend of our team, and our team's been over to um, Idaho for, for training in discipleship, I think provides the best description that I've ever read of what's going on in the world and, and with you and me today from the book of Genesis. I want to share it with you. It's, it's not too lengthy, but just listen to it. He says, in the book of Genesis, we see that God created the perfect setting for us to be in relationship with him and with each other. His plan included us walking with God, walking with our spouse, doing the job of man managing the world, and then creating a community. And God said, I want to walk with you for eternity in this relationship, but I'm giving you a choice. God also said, if you eat of that tree, you will surely die. And then the devil entered in. He gave Adam and Eve a worldview that would compete with the one they had received from God and then gave them a choice to make. And as we know, rather than choosing to keep God at the center of their lives and keeping their eyes on him, they chose, they choose self. Eve went from seeing things from God's perspective to seeing through her own eyes and leaning on her own understanding or worldview, and Adam followed. Mankind made a mess of God's perfect plan for us. We wanted a different worldview, and we got it. And thousands of years later, it still isn't working very well for us. But God sent Jesus, the Christ, down to say, have you had enough of this yet? I want to save you from this. The world was supposed to be perfect, a perfect design, but now it's a mess in every part of your life. Your relationships don't work. The work you do is by the sweat of your brow. There are thorns and thistles, and the world itself is broken. Everything is a mess. I'm letting it stay that way so that you can experience what it looks like to rule your own world. And he offers himself to us. He says, if you receive me, you need to understand who I am. I am the king of the heavens. I am God the son. I am the only one that can save you from this mess. But I want you to open the door of your heart. I want to come in and I want you to let me lead you back towards your design. Isn't that beautiful? I think it's fantastic. Yeah. So now we have these competing worldviews. So we always talk about living from a biblical worldview. What does the Bible say? There are two groups of people in the world, saved and lost. Are you ready? The world is not divided up into good people and bad people, although both exist for sure, right? 
There are two groups of people, saved and lost. So we hear things like this, right? We, we consider scripture, we consider how sin entered into the world, and we go like, he's a really good person, right? He does so much good in the world. She's a really good person. They do so much good. And I don't really think, and maybe you've heard this because I have, I don't think God ever sends good people to hell. Have you heard that? First of all, God doesn't send any person to hell, right? He's not willing that any should perish. That's what the Bible says. Man does, however, choose his, his eternity through his choice. The world is not made up of just really good people or really bad people. The world is made up of saved and lost. And Paul is reminding us that there are only two ways to view people saved and lost. I read an interesting article um, about the Titanic, and I, I guess I didn't know this, and if I, if I did know it, I, I forgot about it, um, that there was a, a death list where there were only uh, 739 lives lived. So there was, a, there was a lost list and there was a saved list. I don't know if you knew that. I didn't. But it just spurred the thought in my own mind. What if you and I, people who have been restored, people who have been redeemed, people who have experienced the love of God with a brand new eternity in front of us, made new through Christ. What if you and I carried a saved loss list in our minds? What if we did that? What if we began to look at the world that, that way and then lived out this mission of Jesus to share the good news of the gospel? How did Jesus look on people? Well, Matthew chapter 9, beginning with verse number 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into this harvest. These are people wandering around without any spiritual guidance at all, without anyone to point the way, without anyone to say, look, this is the way you need to go. This is, this is the one who has come to save you. There was no one there. No one to, to look at them and go like, you know what? There's a different life that you can live. There's an eternity before you if you would just accept it. There is no one there to point the way. Jesus didn't demean them in any way. He didn't refer to them as stupid. Look at the stupid sheep. Look, look at the clueless. He didn't do that. He sees them as harassed and helpless. And then he, then he issues this command. And it's for you and for me, I believe today, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. That's you and me, because we have a message to share with people. We have a story to share. We just sang about it. And this story says, look, you can be made brand new regardless of what you have done in your life. It doesn't make any difference. Your sin was nailed to the cross. We'll talk about that. Why do we need to be made new? Because through this one act of rebellion, mankind is born into sin with physical and spiritual death as a result. You and I lived with the death sentence. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 22, for us in Adam all die. Death came to all those related to Adam through birth because of his disobedience. The father of mankind brought death to all. 
That's why we need to be made new. Because we were born with this distance, but we don't have to stay there. We don't have to live there. That's the good news of the gospel, yes? How are we made new? That's the last question. For as in Adam all die, but the rest of that verse, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. See, there's hope for everybody. There's hope for everybody. In Adam, they all die because we're born into sin, but Christ came that we could be made alive and restored and redeemed. We're made new because Christ defeated death through his death and resurrection. That's the good news of the gospel. That's the story that we have to share with everyone in the world today, starting locally and then in our region and in the world today. And that's why Gateway exists. For no other reason, we exist to share this gospel story with people everywhere. We are made new because Christ defeated death through his death and his resurrection. Genesis chapter 3, I told you we get to Genesis. Um, verse number 15, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Known as the first gospel, these two elements um, form the basis of our faith. The curse on mankind that we just talked about, or this marred image because of Adam's sin, and God's redemption or restoration of mankind through his son, Jesus Christ. The power of the cross, and we're just reading, here, reading it here, would crush Satan's whole empire. All of what Jesus did on the cross, what he did, because of what Jesus did on the cross, he crushed the devil's head, defeating him forever. See, there is victory through Jesus. There is. That's our message, and that's our story. Jen and I were on some days of, of vacation um, here just a, a few weeks ago, and part of my, part of my reading, uh, my devotion time, was in the Gospels in, 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 in Luke, and I read this, and I, I actually stopped. I, I, it really it captivated, me, it captivated me so for numbers of days and still, still does. And what we read is about this event called the Transfiguration. Maybe some of you have heard of it, or lots of you. You read about it in the Synoptic Gospels. So there are four Gospels, right? So Matthew, Mark, and Luke comprise the Synoptic Gospels, and you read it in those, those three. But it's interesting to me because in Matthew's um, description of the transfiguration, there's something different than Luke's. Same with, with Mark. There's something different in, in Luke's. And that's what caused me to stop and just say, Jesus, what is it that's here? What is it that I can learn from this account? Because Math or Luke adds one little detail that Matthew and Mark do not on the transfiguration. Here's what happens. And I'm going to read it to you. Um, now about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James, and they went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face altered, and his clothing became dazzling white. The transfiguration. And behold, two men show up, Moses and Elijah, right? Representing the law and the prophets who appeared in glory and spoke. And that's where Matthew and Mark uh, leave off. But Luke adds this little nuance, and it says this. And, and Matt, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure. 
which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. And I had to stop. Go like, what was it about his departure that Moses and Elijah were talking to him about? We know that Jesus knew that he would suffer. We know that. We know that Jesus knew exactly what, what was coming. What was it about his departure that they were speaking about? And I, I can't tell you exactly. I've done reading. I've done researching. I've, I've done praying. But here's what I think. I think that more than anything, perhaps Moses and Elijah were talking about his departure and re- reminding Jesus, talking to him about what he was about to accomplish on the cross. He knew he would suffer. He had just told his disciples that. He knew what was coming, but this is the purpose. Because here's what we read. Um, God's voice blurring out, this is my son. This is my chosen one. Listen to him. And you see, the chosen one was sent to crush the head of the serpent and deal a final blow to spiritual death. Do you know what? I think that one of the... I think... I got just a lot of questions when I, when I get to heaven. And this is at the top of my list. I mean, you're like, well, that's kind of weird. I don't know. I, I just want to know, what were you guys talking about? Were you talking about the, the Son of God, Jesus, had come into the world to deliver this? Was that what you were talking about? Were you, were you reminding Jesus of that? Or was this all about the disciples that would, that would listen in and hear the voice of God? I don't know, but here's what I do know. Death has been defeated through Jesus on the cross. That I do know. I know that because the Bible says that. The Bible says that each and every one of us were born into sin. This image of God was marred. But Jesus so wants to be in relationship with you and he wants to be in relationship with me that he didn't leave us that way. He sent his son, Jesus, into the world and through his death and his resurrection that the enemy would be defeated. He would be dealt this final blow that we read about in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And because of that, we can enter into a brand new relationship with him, brand new community of followers of Jesus. Now, I just want to ask you this. Have you made that decision to follow Jesus? Now, I realize that many of us have, maybe all of us, maybe most of us, but maybe some of us never have crossed that line of faith. Where we experience being made new with a brand new eternity in front of us and a brand new purpose in life because I'm going to pray in just a moment and I'm going to invite many of us. I'm going to pray actually a couple prayers. Number one, I'm going to pray first for you if you have never made that commitment to follow Jesus. I just don't want to pass up that opportunity for you. I want want to pray a simple prayer that says, Jesus, I confess my need for you. And I want, to, I want to turn my life over to you and ask you to forgive me. That's how simple it is. And I've said this before. There aren't magic words that you have to just kind of line up in the perfect order. Otherwise, it just doesn't work. That is not what that's about. It's just saying, Jesus, I recognize my sin. I recognize my need for you. And I want to follow you and I ask you to forgive me. 
And if you pray that from your heart, guess what? See, that's the good news. The guess what is you're a brand new person with a brand new eternity. And then I'm going to pray for those of us who struggle a little bit. I mean, we're so wrapped up in good works and good deeds. And if we screw it up, we mess it up. We just, we just believe that God's going to come down with a hammer and bonk us on the head or something. Well, that's not the way he is. He loves you and he loves me. Just as the parent, it's your heavenly father. And he picks us up and he sets us back on our feet. He says, now let me walk with you. Are you thankful for that? Because I sure am. Let's stand together, shall we? Would you join me in prayer? And so, Father, I thank you for the truth of, of your word. Death has been defeated. You sent your son into the world to live and to die and to be raised again to brand new life. And through his death and resurrection that we experience this brand new life. God, I thank you for that. I thank you because millions have experienced this rebirth, being made new. And yet, Father, there are, there are so many who have not yet crossed that line of faith. We, we think it's through good works. We think it's through good deeds, but it's not. It's through trusting in you. And so, Jesus, we come to you. And if, if you are praying this prayer with me, it's a simple prayer. It says, God, I confess my need for you. I confess my sin. I know I'm a sinner. I was born into sin. But I'm thankful that you dealt the final blow to sin. And I receive you as Lord and Savior into my life today. I ask you to forgive me. I make you Lord. I want to walk with you today. And I thank you for that. And I receive you now as Savior. Or maybe you're, you're struggling just a little bit and, and uh, boy, the old enemy has just got a, got a hold of you and you messed up in life and you receive him as Lord and Savior, but you think you're like, look, look well, I just have no hope. No, yes, you do. Because God alone sent his son to walk with you. And Father, I'm, I'm thankful that um, as a loving father, you may, you may correct us, but you never leave us. And we're your children. And would you just remind us again today, when the enemy comes in to bring those thoughts into our head, we, those are defeated through what you did for us. Would you just remind us of that again today so that when we look in this mirror tomorrow morning or this magical mirror even today, what we're seeing is a brand new person made in the image of God. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Now let's sing together, shall we? Soon.